Hello and welcome to another episode of the Refka podcast. Today we're going to be speaking with Ali Hashem. Ali's career in digital strategy started with Moet Chandon in France. Since then, he's worked on AT&T's initial launch of the iPhone, Infinity's global site rollout in Hong Kong, Intel's intranet redesign, Facebook's chatbot work presented at F8, and Hippocrates, an app used by half of US physicians. He joined Vancouver-based digital product studio Neon three years ago as their first employee. Neon was recently featured in Yahoo Finance and Cult of Mac for their augmented reality work for 3M and recently won their first Canadian marketing award. His favorite book is The Count of Monte Cristo. He loves basketball and according to Spotify, he's a top 0.5% global listener of Jay-Z. Please welcome Ali Hashem to the Refka podcast. Thank you again for being here with us. I wanted to start by asking you a little bit about your background. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to Neon. Sure. All right. Thanks, Alejandro. Yes, yeah, so I did my MBA. Uh, I would say actually that was probably a big inflection point in, in terms of me leading me to the path on the path that got me to Neon. Um, but that was so that was many years ago. During that time, I had uh, the opportunity to do some consulting work with LVMH, specifically with Moet Chandon. And at the time, it was more around, their needs were more around digital marketing strategies. And so that was really interesting because at that time, that wasn't such a big thing. It was really nascent at that time. So they were launching a new product for the North American market. And they were kind of looking at you know, new ideas to you know, generate interest in this product. And so it was really interesting. I got to, got to jump into that and, you know, looking at things like, you know, exploring what, is, what does it look like to even purchase champagne online or to, to send something like that online. So you're really looking at procurement because I think back then it was almost, you know, you think of very literal terms like, oh, I, I put an online order and I want to send it to someone in France. And so, well, you know, do you ship it or no, no, of course. Like now we think, oh, it's, it's dead simple that someone there fulfills the order, but you know, it was interesting kind of working through some of those problems back then. So for me, you know, at that stage, very much, I thought, okay, I want to be um, a management consultant because I really like the idea of, of variety and fast pace. And I just really enjoyed solving problems and thinking of you know, clever ideas. So, uh, okay, great. That's what I want to do. And I thought, well, my dream job would be to be like a management consultant in digital, because I think you know, there's so much opportunity here and it's, it's going to be really fun. But of course, you know, you know, life happens. And so, at that time, I graduated into the financial crisis. So I'm really dating myself here now. But uh, so that was tough because at that time, you know, I had some offers and it all got pulled. And so I had to like kind of rethink, okay, what do I do now? So I went from you know, applying to the, you know, big, you know, interviewing with these big three consulting firms. And now I was like, okay, well, what do I do? So I had, it's kind of, you know, look back and say, okay, great. It's an opportunity. But of course, you know, at the time you're like, oh man, what do I do? I need a job. I need to pay off this loan. So I was really fortunate. I fell into, and I really did. It was just luck. I went, ended up back in Calgary, where I'm from, and I ended up having this conversation just randomly with some folks from this digital marketing agency called Critical Mass. And so they were looking for an intern. So you know that again, right now, here's the different. It's a change of expectations. I thought, oh, I'm graduating my MBA, and I thought, you know, I'm going to get into this big job. I had these offers, and now, okay, starting at the bottom, an intern. But I really liked the work. It was really, really interesting to me that this pure focus on digital. So this idea that I had about being a management consultant in digital, that job, I, you know, didn't really exist in a formal sense, but this was very close. I was a digital strategist for critical mass. And 
my first account was with ATT.com and they just secured the exclusive rights to this new device called the iPhone. So it was really fun kind of looking at how does this now, how are people going to start paying their bills or on these mobile devices and things like that. So it was really, really early days of those kinds of experiences and, and UX. And so it was really fun kind of just figuring these things out uh, right from the get-go. From there, I, you know, I had a few different clients there, which was really fun again for me because I got the variety and I got exposed to different areas. I got sent to Hong Kong to work on, at that time, Infinity had just, were, uh, just moved their headquarters from Tokyo to Hong Kong. And so I got sent there and, and you know, was the account director out of that office. And that was a real eye-opening experience, I think, for me seeing, getting a taste of you know, what it's like working in a, in a big city like Hong Kong at a, at a head office. From there, you know, I came back and I got recruited to another company a, out of Vancouver, a company called Metalab. Now that was a bit of a shift because now I, you know, from digital marketing and looking at that, now it was very much around digital products. So things like software as a service. And it was a small and subtle difference, but I think it was a meaningful one, especially at the time where it was, you know, relatively new. And so leaving, you know, this large agency, I think Critical Mass had 10, 12 offices around the world, you know, maybe at that time, 800 people, I don't know, now they're at a thousand and going to this much smaller place that you know, was just starting out, I think at that time, maybe around 45 people. Uh, from there, it was, now it was really working with Silicon Valley and tech. And so it was a much different. So going from these kind of big established brands, now starting to work with like um, more tech focused companies like Facebook or Oculus, or even, you know, in different areas like healthcare and things like that. So from there, um, I had another experience with a startup. And then it was really, at that stage, it was kind of figuring out what's next. And I got an introduction to TCAP, which is a venture capital firm here in Vancouver. and had a really great discussion with them, you know, really wonderful people. And they were kind of looking at starting up a product agency. The conversation was kind of going around what would it look like to start one? I think they, you know, they were looking at acquiring and I don't think they were seeing what they wanted to see in the market. So it was kind of looking at from both sides, like what are they looking for in the market? What would make something attractive to them? And, you know, from my experiences, what would, if I could wave the magic wand, what would I like to see done differently? And what kind of work would we like to do? And there's a lot of discussions and a bunch of really smart people involved. And that kind of led to the genesis of Neon. That was about three years ago. Neon specializes in building digital products. Correct. Uh, what kind of products have you built so far? Oh, that's a good question. As you've probably seen, we, like I said, you know, we really talked about what, what do we want to do differently? What was, what do we want Neon to be about? And so our mission was really this idea of, we started with this thesis of I think the world needs a redesign. It's no surprise to anyone you look at the news or whatever, it's all these problems. And so, you know, the world needs a redesign. Our mission we felt was let's build a better world through purpose-driven products and of course, we want to make sure we're being clear about what was, when we use words like purpose-driven, words like matter. So our vision was to partner with exceptional people. We meant that with our partners externally and internally with the people that we work with to create these products that matter. And so for us, and the reason I say that is, you know, we, we, we try to either internally, we just try to align to the UN's SDG goals, or even sometimes more simply just saying, is this having a positive impact on people on the planet? You know, one of the products we've shipped is all, it's called Alturage. And that is really built on this idea that if we give people a fair shake, we're going to see equality, not only as people get recruited in to jobs, but at the leadership level too. Another product that we did that we're really proud of, got a little 
shout out in uh, Cult and Mac about was an air product that we shipped for 3M. Uh, again, this idea that things that matter, they don't, I don't think it always necessarily needs to be like, yes, we just saved the world in time. But sometimes it can be the small things. You know, one thing we, we were talking with 3M and they have an orthodontics. One of the things they talked about was the way they currently do things is, uh, you know, those little plastic teeth that you see on dentist's desks, those are called typodons. And apparently typodons are wildly expensive for what they are. I was really, really surprised. They ship these out every, you know, 12 to 18 months. They ship a bunch and they show people what, you know, they have these braces on this perfect set of plastic teeth. And they say, okay, well, you can get those, you can get these, or you can, you know, they have like so many options now, right? Invisalign, metal braces, ceramic, clear. You have combinations, pick your poison. And so, you know, one of the things we, we actually run into is that first we have to ship these out everywhere. And then people try, you know, people pick them and they get them put on. It's a very expensive thing. They don't end up really liking it. That it doesn't look right to me. I don't like it. It's an, and so they get them taken off. And so maybe they get them traded for something else or they don't pursue treatment at all. So they're kind of talking, you know, the conversation is like, you know, how can we solve this problem? And what if we just created an augmented reality experience where people could just grab their device and look at themselves and they can see, okay, this is what this looks like. And I can swipe and see what this looks like and smile and talk and take pictures and send it to my friends or my family and get people to vote and tell them what do they like and all that. And it's something fun and simple. And does it save the world? No, but does it save the uh, carbon cost of shipping these type of dons to each and every 3M affiliated orthodontist? Yeah, now we don't have to do that anymore. You know, eventually we're, we're working towards something like that. We're saving people's time. We're making it a bit more of an enjoyable experience. And, you know, when I say people, it's both the potential customer slash patient and the orthodontist and treatment coordinators that help them. So, you know, for us, it's really about trying to find those opportunities. Another one that we shipped is a one that, you know, I think is really, really timely and really needed is called checking in. The idea there really starts with this simple, simple idea of just kind of asking you, what's your number, what's your word? And you just kind of, the idea is that you, you say your, um, your kind of your energy level and the word that kind of defines how you're feeling in that moment. So you might say, you know, I'm an, I'm an eight and energetic. You know, now that I'm talking to you both, I'm, you know, I'm 10 and I'm excited. So uh, from there, it's this idea of kind of tracking these insights about you know, learning a bit more about ourselves and how we feel uh, in certain times and looking at that data and maybe trying to check in with ourselves and maybe others and going from there. So I think having a mental health product out there, I think there's a lot. And I think as long as they're helping, I don't think you know you can have too many. I think as long as you're making that difference. And I think checking in's had some really great success, which is always great to see. Another one was Sphere, which is this idea of of finding a coach it's a growing growing market and this idea that i don't necessarily this was even before the pandemic it worked out well in the sense that it was a digital experience as a coach i don't have to go put out a shingle and i don't have to have people coming to my space and so and then someone that's seeking coaches i don't have to necessarily go and find someone in person i can just go and swipe through and find the one that meets my needs based on what i'm doing and have an appointment when it's conducive to my schedule and then for the coach, they're able to do everything they do on the platform, all their notes and all that thing. So I think for us, it's really about not just digitizing experiences, but how do we make it ideal and starting from that? That's a selection of them. I, there's a couple, there's one that I'd love to talk about. We're working with uh, Silicon Valley Unicorn right now. There's, they're doing something truly revolutionary in the healthcare space. And I I've, unfortunately can't talk too much about that one, but that one I'm really excited about. Definitely. We're going to be looking out for that. 
really exciting and something I was looking at Neon and the profile and what you've been doing. Do your partners come to you with a problem and you help them find the solution, build the solution, and then commercialize or scale the solution? That's a great question. Yeah. I, I mean, I say, I don't, I don't know if they always necessarily come to us with a problem. I think sometimes they come to us with an opportunity. Um, it's a really, it's a big mix, right? We've worked with everyone from founders, sole founders, all the way to a fortune 100, right? So, but yeah, by and large, I think you kind of have it there. We, you know, they'll come with the opportunity or a problem. And typically what we'll do is what we call an ideation session. We really just sit down with them. We'll take anywhere from, you know, it can be as short as a morning or an afternoon, or it can be as long as kind of three days, which sometimes if it's just something very complex, it takes time. And we really just sit down and just try to really understand who their user is, um, what their business goals are, which I think is a key thing that can be overlooked and, and just really get to understand their industry. I mean, for us, I think something that, you know, I've seen in past lives is where, you know, agencies will just try to run off and do a bunch of research and try to become experts very quickly. And I, I don't think that necessarily works or it's maybe not the best use of their time. I think our, our partners tend to be the experts. They really, they've been living and breathing it for a long time. What we're really trying to do is just understand. And, and from there, once we understand, then we can start saying, okay, based on that, what's the most feasible way to achieve your goal, your business goals and your users goals. And kind of trying to figure out what the ideal experience that kind of marries those two things is. And then from there, like you said, yeah. And then we go ahead and build it. And we're making sure that we're measuring the things that matter. So we can make informed decisions of how this product needs to change or evolve and then provide go-to-market strategies so people can go ahead and scale because ultimately, you know, they need to gain users or grow revenue so they can have a viable business. That's really interesting. And it's a very unique thing that I, I've seen from this business model that uh, Nian has. Was this part of the original idea? Yeah, that's a, it, that's a great question. So um it was, it was, it was from the beginning, a big piece of it though, really uh, part of Neon's Genesis is that close relationship with TCAP where TCAP makes these investments in, in, in these ventures. And part of the way to de-risk that with a lot of these ventures is a product component, right? And you can write a check to someone and they can now, but they have to go find someone they trust to build it, or they have to go scale a team, which takes time, which takes money, right? And especially as a founder, or a, you know, an early stage company, time is usually their enemy. They've got to show something in order to make their next raise, in order to get to reach their goals, especially now that they have investors. So kind of a, that's where Neon can come in and be their product team to get them to that MVP or that V1. And then meanwhile, that kind of frees up those founders to do what they need to do in terms of you know, closing deals, growing the business, running the business. And they can focus on getting those key hires. And you know, by that time, then there's like you know, smooth handoff. Or, but, you know, we've been lucky enough to be able to work, I think, with almost all of our partners. We've worked with every each one of them at least once more, except one, I think, maybe. So we're certainly not perfect, but we try really hard. And I think, you know, our partners have been pretty happy with the results. That's impressive. During this time at Neon, what have been the biggest challenges that you have faced? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I think the unknowns are always tough. You know, you set your goals and you set your vision and, you know, you have your best laid plans and then things happen. There's unknowns and it's very, and that's fine. I think that's part and parcel of the experience. You know, if you want to do startups, you want to do agency and like that, it's always fast paced. And what kind of makes it the adrenaline rush is the unknown, is the unexpected. But it becomes difficult to plan for it as in, in terms of as a business, right? Because one person, you know, we're a relatively small team, about 25 people. And, if someone says, you know, we're going to start 
October 15th. And then so you have a plan. You say, okay, we're, you know, and then this team, we're going to have them work on this because we want to have a dedicated team. We want people focused. They're going to start on this next thing after that. So they'll start, okay, they're going to start November 22nd. And so that partner, that's all set up. They're good to go. And then that first partner runs into something. Funding didn't come through. Or we've got a big thing. We've got to push out. That just changes everything, right? So there's a lot of balancing. There's a lot of flexibility. And there's a lot of empathy. I mean, you got to, you know, the other thing is that a lot of these folks, they, you know, they're, they're, no one's doing anything on purpose in that sense. No one's trying to make anyone else's life difficult. So you just got to be empathetic to those situations. And it's obviously it's a challenge when you're trying to run your own business. That's a great segue into the questions that I wanted to ask Ali, because speaking about the unknown, um, yeah. your journey, you know, post your MBA, that whole graduating into a recession, like what did you do during that time? How did you feel? Like, I'm very curious you had this plan in front of you. You were going to go be this kick-ass management consultant and, right. you know, plans just, you know, from there to an intern. And I'm so happy and glad that it, that it worked well, but I also feel like it worked well because you made it work well. It was your attitude towards that entire situation. So I'm more curious to understand that what went down both professionally and personally for you, like what made you hold on to whatever it was? What was your drive at that point? I think, you know, so many people have so many far more challenging situations that they get through. So it's this idea that you just say, well, you just have to. And, and being flexible, we set goals and by and large, I think we hopefully we achieve most of them, but I don't think anyone achieves all of them and that's fine, right? Then not, maybe you're not really stretching yourself if you're achieving all your goals. And, but it, it's sometimes it's, it's important to have these moments, I think. It's always hindsight, right? In the moment, it sucks. You know, this is awful. I mean, get me out of here, but looking back, you think, okay, there's probably a learning moment. And you get to know a bit about yourself, why you set that goal. Was this something that I truly wanted? What was it about it that I wanted? Or was it something that I've somehow adopted from someone else? And I thought this should be my goal. So for me, I think, you know, it's easy for me to speak about it when I say, oh, but I, I wanted to do this because I liked the idea of variation and learning and being able to be creative. I don't know if I necessarily could articulate that at the time. I don't know if I knew why I wanted to, let's say, be a management consultant at the time. But now looking back and saying, okay, so if those are the things that were truly important to me, you say, well, there's a bunch of different things I could do with that then. Now, I just, it doesn't need to be that. It can be, I can apply that elsewhere, maybe somewhere that's a better fit. So I think part of it was just kind of over your life, you get to know yourself. And I think maybe for me, that was part of it. And then I think just being comfortable with risk and just the unknown. I, I think, you know, everyone's built differently. And, for some people, repetition and pattern and knowing what comes next, knowing what tomorrow is, brings a great sense of comfort. To other people, that's terrifying. And I think, you know, I'm probably more the latter. <laughs> like, if I know exactly what the rest of my days hold, I don't know. It's not for me, I don't think. And I think it speaks to your whole idea of your entrepreneurial spirit, right? Because like having that unknown, having that risk from where you were to where you built me on too, I feel like it leads into that. And my one question for you is, if you turn back and you look at the journey that you've, you've gone through and you said, okay, this was one moment that actually held on to me. And I said, no, this is what I want. Like, I want to get into, especially from a digital perspective, right? Like, I think it's quite visionary, like turning back and looking at 2008 and for you to kind of like say, yeah, digital is what I want to go into. It was such a shaky space. Like Silicon Valley was still a shaky space at that point in time. So why digital? What made you hold on to that one aspect? Yeah, before I answer that, I will just say one thing. I do want to just call out because it wouldn't be fair 
that it's not an idle thought. It's a we. There's a there's a super talented, hardworking team that's done that, and I, there's it just could not have been one individual. So I, I will just make that one point. But why digital? I think for me, digital is it's such a wonderful sandbox. I think you can be so creative, and it's always evolving. You don't have the usual barriers in terms of you know time and design. Over these last twelve years, it's been a bit of a wild west. Right, and we and we're still seeing really interesting innovation happening. I think it's just so wonderfully scalable across its borders. Yeah, I, I think for me, it's just that that openness. I think that just I think is really fascinating. Too. And it's not just you know this idea of pure digital, but it's just how it kind of plays with our real world too, and it can empower you to interact with your real world in a certain way. So I, I think it's part of it, but it's a really interesting part of it. Yeah, when I'm into you, like the whole team at at Neon as well, and yeah. I think my one last question to you is this: for people who are right now doing their MBA, because like you have an MBA and you got yeah. into the space and you did multiple different things, and management consulting was one of the things that you wanted to do. So for someone who's right now in your shoes, doing an MBA, wanting management consulting, but also having that visionary kind of spirit within them who wants to do startups and understand the digital aspect, what is the one thing that you would tell them? Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to be a bumper sticker, right? I think there's a lot of the, a lot of that stuff. I don't know what some guy, some stranger on a podcast they're going to listen to is going to, you know, resonate with them. I think all I could say is, maybe even including my own, I'd say be, you know, be wary of other people's advice and realize that you're right at the forefront. I couldn't conceive of my job today back then because it didn't exist. And so, the goals that you're setting. When you set them, when you really, really become detailed about them, I just say, just maybe just take a step back again and just maybe look at directions, because the thing that you might really want to do might not really exist yet, or it might not be defined. And so you have this wonderful ability that you could do that. You could define it. You could make it up. Make it up. Go for it. Before you go, what is the one word that you would like to leave us with? Play. Have fun. I don't know. I think you know life's too short. So if you can find a way to enjoy yourself and be creative, I'd say do that. So just play. Play is the word for the day. Then yeah. thank you. Well, thank you so much, Ali. Like I think that's amazing. I was telling Alejandro like the first time when I when I got to speak to you, I said we have to get Ali on board because even what you said about like sustainability and SDGs, like we're learning that right now, right in school to make businesses more like environmentally conscious and. Just to see you do that with your team, you know, and it being also a Canadian-based company that's doing that is is very like interesting for us to see and learn. And I'm just absolutely fascinated by your journey, like just the fact that you, you came out and and when you had that whole recession happening, and I was like, oh my gosh, because it's 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 kind of like we can't even compare, but at some sense, it's like okay, we have COVID, right? And back yeah. then like with at least now we have like remote jobs and we see the job market picking back up and things happening and people still getting employed but yeah. that was a different global situation altogether and i think partly also now right now we see that the digital has made it possible right um but thank you so much we really appreciate your time yeah no problem great thank you so much